This is Shattered Souls. I'm your host, Karen Smith. This podcast contains graphic language and is not suitable for children. This is the new real. Welcome back. Thank you all very much for listening to season one and for all of your feedback. I sure do appreciate it. I decided to go ahead and do a couple of little one-off episodes for you, since a lot of you have been asking me on social media and messages. You're ready for season two, and you know what? I'm ready to give you season two and to give you a quick update. I am waiting on some FOIA, some Freedom of Information Act requests that I've put in a couple of months ago, and unfortunately with COVID, everything is backed up. So I'm a little bit at the mercy of the folks that are working really hard to get me those docs. And as soon as they're available, I'm going to start writing. So just be patient, and it will be worth the wait, I promise. But let's move forward to one of the funnier cases that I worked when I was in Jacksonville. It wasn't always doom and gloom, and although I went to people's homes and apartments and places of business when they were having a pretty bad day, sometimes their predicaments lended a lot of laughter for me, the other officers responding, and sometimes the victims themselves. In this case, the laugh was not on the victim or the perpetrator, but I got a good chuckle because of the outcome. So I'm going to detail this case for you. This is a case that I talk about when I teach classes in person to teach students about the importance of looking at the small details. When you work a forensic case, the small details are usually the ones that will break a case open. And I'm not talking about minute trace DNA or hairs or fibers. I'm just talking about using your keen senses and looking at the evidence that's presented to you that's visible. And sometimes it can tell the entire story. And that's exactly what happened in this case. It was 2010, and I was dispatched to a house where an apparent stabbing had taken place. When I arrived on the scene, I met with the father of the victim who owned the house. And the first thing that we have to determine is whether or not we have a right to enter that house. We can't just go willy-nilly inside without either a search warrant or some kind of consent. So I spoke with the father and he gave me consent to enter the house. Now it had occurred in the living room and one of the bedrooms. Well, funny in Florida, if somebody occupies a bedroom and they pay rent or they contribute somehow to the household, we can't enter that bedroom because they do have a right of privacy. So I asked the father who lived in the bedroom And were we able to make entry without a warrant or consent of the person who lived there? He said his son and his son's girlfriend had been staying with him in the house. He said that they did not pay rent. He said that they did not contribute to the household. They were basically squatting and he was ready for them to leave. Well, that gave us permission to go into that bedroom because since they weren't contributing and weren't paying rent, they had no right to privacy. So we could go in, collect evidence and look for anything that might give us a hint about what happened. When I arrived on scene, a woman was being detained by a patrol officer in the back of his car. Another patrol officer had gone to the hospital and spoken with the man, the son, who had been stabbed in the back. 
The patrol officer at the hospital contacted me by phone, and he related the information that the son had given him. The son said that he walked about a mile down the sidewalk to a small gas station to buy cigarettes. And the son said he was jumped by several unknown males inside of this gas station and in the parking lot, and he was stabbed in the back. The son said that with the knife in his back, he walked the mile back home with the knife in his back now, walked back home down that sidewalk, and when he came into the living room, his girlfriend, the one being detained in the patrol car, saw him, panicked, and pulled the knife out of his back. As ridiculous as that story sounds, we have to take it at face value and follow the evidence to see if there's anything that lends credence to what he's saying. He's the victim of this crime, right? So, I walked the entire sidewalk, all the way down to the small gas station. And guess what I didn't find? One drop of blood, either direction. We walked inside the gas station and looked at the video surveillance. Zero zip zilch. There was nothing. The gas station attendant said that he didn't recall this man coming in to buy cigarettes. There was absolutely no altercation in the store or in the parking lot. And once we looked at the video, we knew that his story was a lie. What we didn't know was why he would lie. So we walked along the sidewalk back to the house, just making sure that there was no blood in the grass or anywhere else, and there wasn't. So once we got back to the house, I went inside with the consent form signed by the father. The living room was located right inside the front door, and on the carpet there were a number of drip stains next to a chair, and next to the chair was a linear line of blood across the wall. If you've listened to my podcast, you already know it's cast off. Okay, if somebody pulled a knife out of someone's back, is it possible that cast off could go across that wall? Maybe, maybe not. But while I was standing there, I looked up. You always look up at a crime scene. Ceilings can tell a whole lot of information, and this one was no different. And as I did, there was a ceiling fan. It wasn't on, it was still. And there was one tiny blood drop on one of the fan blades. If you have blood on a fan blade eight feet in the air, something put it there. While following the blood trail down the hallway, all the way to the bathroom, it was getting stronger, and the blood drops were getting larger. And in the bathroom, well, it was just a disaster. There was blood all over the sink, all over the toilet, all over the floor. So at this point, now I know that he was probably stabbed in the living room and then made his way to the bathroom where the knife was probably removed based on the large amount of blood all over the floor and the toilet. But again, why? And who would do this? Was there an intruder? Was there some kind of weird love triangle going on that nobody wanted to talk about? Or was it something else? Was it the father? Was it the girlfriend? At this point, we were still kind of lost as to why this would happen and why people would be covering up their tracks. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart.
Identity theft protection starts here. Well, when you have a victim telling a fib at the hospital, there's definitely a reason for it. And I went to go talk to the girlfriend who was still in the back of the patrol car. Well, I told the officer to have her exit so that I could talk to her. She had on beige shorts, flip-flops, and a Jacksonville Jaguars teal jersey. She was pouty-faced, very, very sad. She wanted to sell me on this whole thing about him being jumped at the gas station, and I told her, we already know that that's a lie, so don't go there. And I looked at her shorts, and on her shorts, on the pocket, were several small blood drops, and on her jersey were several small blood drops. So I told her to put her arms in the air. Now, she was not handcuffed at this point. She was just being detained, not arrested. So I told her to put her arms in the air, and she did. She had tiny blood stains under her arms, near her armpit. Now, let's just put this together for a minute. Again, in order for blood to break up into droplets, there has to be a force behind it, which tells me that she did a whole lot more than just pull a knife out of her boyfriend's back when he came home from a gas station. Couple that with the cast off on the wall and the small blood drop on the fan blade in the living room, along with the blood trail all the way back to the bathroom. And I knew that this crime scene happened inside that living room and likely she is the one that stabbed her boyfriend. So as she was standing there in the grass outside of the patrol car, I went over to the patrol officer and I whispered in his ear, play along with me. He said, okay. So he walked over. And I said, listen, I'm going to need you to hold a scale for me next to the bloodstains on her clothing so that I can document everything. And I said, darling, I just need you to hold still. We're just going to take some photos. So as I'm documenting her clothing and the bloodstains on it, I'm doing my little dissertation about how that blood got to be on her clothes. And I said, officer, you're interested in coming to the crime scene unit, right? And he said, oh, absolutely. I said, okay, great. Well, we're going to do a little training right now. Do you see these blood stains on this lady's shorts? And he said, yeah. I said, well, these were caused by an outside force. See, this isn't a transfer or something that you would get from removing a knife from somebody's back. This is from an active bleeding crime scene. But more important than these, hon, I need you to put your hands above your head. Can you just raise your hands for me? And she did. And I said, more importantly, up here on her jersey, I said, do you see up here next to her armpit, there's more of these really small blood stains? And he said, yeah. And I said, see, that is an instance of more force. So this actually puts her in proximity to, is it her boyfriend? And he said, yeah, it's her boyfriend. I said, okay, so this puts her in proximity to her boyfriend when the knife actually went into his back instead of coming out of his back. And the patrol officer went, oh, that's interesting. I said, isn't it? It's really amazing, isn't it, how that works? Meanwhile, the woman is looking at me and her bottom lip starts to tremble. And I said, yeah, hun. so basically just put your arms down, turn around for me. And she had more blood drops on the back of her shirt on her shoulder. And I said, well, see, this is absolutely irrefutable evidence that I know this is the person that actually put the knife in his back because you see these blood drops on her back. Yeah, that's indicative of really like bending over and being on top of him while the knife is going into his back instead of, you know, yanking it out like a hero. And I looked at her. And the waterworks started. She's boo-hooing. She's crying. Her little shoulders are shaking. Her chin is quivering. And I said, oh my God, darling, is there something that you wanted to talk to me about? And she turned around and she goes, I, I didn't mean to. He, ma'am, ma'am, he was being a real asshole. And I said, oh, he was being an asshole. What else? He was being a real asshole. And I, 
I came home and, and he was cheating because I saw his cell phone and, and he's talking to this woman. I told him to stay away from her and he wouldn't. So I, I went to the kitchen and I opened the drawer and I pulled a knife out and I told him that you some bitch, you gonna leave her alone. And he said, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are. And I took the knife and I plunged it in his back and then I pulled it out and I plunged it in again. I said, oh, okay. Very interesting. Well, knife's not inside the house. Where is it? I went across the street and knocked on their door, and I told them I had to use their toilet because ours was backed up. And I went in their house, and I went in their bathroom, and I washed the knife out in the sink, and then I wrapped it up in toilet paper and put it in their trash can. Thank you very much. Wonderful story. So now we had the truth. We put cuffs on her, put her in the back of the patrol car. I went across the street, knocked on the door. Police. Yeah, hey, I saw you guys out there. Is everything okay? And I said, yeah, everything's great, except that you have evidence of an aggravated battery possible attempted murder in your bathroom trash can. Do you mind if I come get it? What? The young lady that came to use your toilet? Yeah, she planted evidence in your garbage can. Do you mind if I come in and get it? Hell no! Come get that out of my house. Will do. So I went inside their house, went in the bathroom. In the sink, there were some diluted bloodstains, so I took swabs of that. Sure enough, in the garbage can, there was the kitchen knife wrapped in toilet paper, just like she said. That was collected, taken downtown. She was taken downtown, booked on aggravated battery. The boyfriend never came off the story. He stuck to the fact that he was jumped at the gas station, regardless of the fact that no evidence supported it whatsoever, and we had the confession. So the case didn't go to court. She took a plea deal of, I think it was a year, which was fine with me, and case closed. So there's just one way that forensics can really assist once you look for the small evidence and you can put the pieces together relatively quickly sometimes based on the dubious blood evidence and people's, frankly, bullshit stories. So there's your Shattered Souls, stories from behind the yellow tape for this week. I'll keep trying to do a couple of these here and there, maybe every couple of weeks, just to keep you guys entertained. And please stay tuned for season two. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Take care. Be well. This is the new real.